0: Amen. Good morning, Freedom Center. I can't believe on a holiday weekend with the first snow of the year you guys came to church. I'm just saying, if there's a good neighborhood in heaven, I'm voting for you all to live there. That's all. I'm sure there is. Every neighborhood's good in heaven. Uh, real quick, that kind of reminds me of something, and that is that going to church is a wonderful thing, and being a friendly church is an important thing. But what happened that night was people becoming friends. People walked in strangers and sat and talked to each other and spent a some time and had a meal together. And even though we can't do that all the time, those are special occasion sort of meals, every Sunday after service, you see that back corner? Everybody look right back there. Everybody just turn your head and look. See, it says guest room. That, that's a place where that happens after every service, every time. So staff members, sometimes I get to go back there too, depending on what happens after a service. But we're back there for the purpose of meeting with you just to kind of hang out. So I'm new here. I don't really know anybody. Like, we don't want to just be friendly want to connect you into relationship, friendship. So be a part of this. It's good for you. Three said amen. And and it doesn't matter the second time. It doesn't matter. It's a good choice. Yeah, amen. So I also want to say this morning, good morning, Graham Blank Campus, Pastor Jim and Kerry Parkin. We love you guys. Can we give them a hand this morning? We, we appreciate you guys. And... Uh, I'm going to wave to you guys on, on camera, and then if you're in the family room with them right now, and Pastor Jim and Carrie are waving back, slap them and say, get into this, and uh, that'll be fun for me. So, and live stream, good morning. I know we have a lot of people traveling today. Uh, we have a lot of people that are at Grandma's house or smart enough to get out of town and go south of here, which is great. I don't know if you guys heard about, but after the, the game yesterday, I guess, it was the roads were really bad and Michigan State Troopers actually put out a, a notice saying, please be very careful if you're leaving Ann Arbor going north. If you're going south, don't worry about it. You have plenty of time because your season's over with. <laughs> and I, I'm just repeating a, a safety briefing from the Michigan State Troopers. So anyway, you guys ready to get in the word this morning? Good. We'll see you back there. God bless you guys, live stream, wherever you're at, man. Let's do this together. Look, can I just do one more thing? This is on my heart right now. Um, we have some people that are, that are in really critical medical situations right now. And just before we get in the Word, can we just practice the Word for a second? How many of you guys know Jesus is a healer? And so he commands us, man, come to me, all oh, you weary, heavy laden, take my yoke. We've, we've taught on these things. We know that the blood of Jesus creates an atonement, a covering for sin, and the consequences of sin, the judgments of sin. So right now, Father, we just, we just pray for Dave Alger. We pray for those that are, that are wrestling right now with illness, God. We pray for those that are in ICU. We pray for Melvin. We pray for, for, for people that we, we absolutely adore, people that we love, God, that are, that at this moment are fighting something, something you didn't send, something that isn't from you. So right now, as if we were guards in the temple of the Holy Spirit and we found something unclean had entered, we found a, a pig came wandering into the Holy of Holies, we would deal with that pig so decisively, so aggressively, because it's such a terrible, egregious trespass. So right now, we speak to every sickness, every illness, every disease. In the name of Jesus, you are trespassing in the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we declare healing over every body, over every heart, over every mind. And we pray, God, today, open our hearts to your word. This is not a tradition that we have. This is a relationship that we walk in. This is the reality that's deeper than every other thing that we would call real. Realer than the chair we sit on, realer than the air that we breathe, is the eternity in which we are now engaged. I pray, Holy Spirit, teach us today to walk in this way the way of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. All right, here we go. My note says, get moving. It's already in there. So John chapter 14, verse 6, a little concise version. Jesus says, I am the way. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now Jesus, the context of this this verse is Jesus is about to be crucified. He's going to pay for the sins of mankind. He's going to purchase a gift that gift of salvation. It has to be received. It's because what Jesus died for our sins, then aren't all men forgiven. It's, it doesn't quite work that way. The, the proceeds, the, that which is necessary for sin to be forgiven will be accomplished when Jesus sheds his blood for our sins. Do you see that? Jesus dies on a cross not because he's guilty of any sin, but because we are guilty of all sin. And so he dies in our place. He purchases a gift that now has to be received. And he's telling his disciples, I'm getting ready to split. I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the comforter, the paraclete is the Greek word. But, but I, I want you guys to know that, that you're, going to be, you're going to be okay because you know the way to where I'm going. Now, Thomas, who doesn't speak much unless he's doubting something, Peter's always talking, John's always snuggling, and Thomas speaks rarely, but he always asks the dumb question, right? But it's the obvious one. He goes, I don't, you're speaking in some sort of a parable again, Jesus. You, you say, I know the way to where you're going, but I don't even know where you're going. Are you going north, south, east, west? Do I have to go searching for you? Like, you say, I know the way, but I don't know the way because I don't know where you're going, so how can I possibly know the way? And Jesus says, Thomas and all the disciples, I am what? Come on, the way. And I'm the truth. And I'm the life. Nobody is getting to this place that I go to prepare for you unless it's through me. No one gets to heaven. No one gets to the Father. No one, no one, no one, except through me. And so we've been talking about this for about a month now, and we started with this, this phrase out of Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me. Remember that we used to have the stage differently way back in the day. Remember that two weeks ago? Had the stage, and it was that, this, that thought of just come to me. Like the way of Jesus we know begins, and in the middle there's Jesus, and in the end there's Jesus. It begins with this invitation. He's not saying, come follow me. Not in, not in Matthew 11:28. 28. He's not saying, follow me. I'll make you officials of men." Hey, anyone who come after must deny himself and take up his cross. He's not. He's saying, come here. I'm going to stand still for once in my life. And give an invitation to anyone who's tired enough to walk this way. And I will give you rest. Come to me all you are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Everybody say yoke. Come back to that in a minute. My yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is what? Easy. And my burden is what? Light. And we talked about that. What is the yoke of Jesus. Uh, two weeks ago, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus, what's the most important, you know, how do we dis- discern the laws of God? We don't understand. He goes, I just, let me just give it to you real quick. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we dabbled a little bit into this thought of mercy, this thought of forgiveness, this thought of, of living life in a, in a crucified manner because God told us to, and how hard that can be, but how necessary that is. And then we got into last week, seeing things right side up. Remember the illustration, the eye upside down, all that kind of stuff? Thank you for your prayers for my eyes. I appreciate it. I can see some of you now. If you're wearing lighter clothes, it's easier. Somebody wearing darker clothes, it's hard to see. Somebody they're wearing crimson and silver, you're just, I can't see you at all. It's weird, but, but... Maze and blue, I can see just a little bit, you know? But seeing things right side up, that the brain literally takes all the, our imagery and inverts it so that we can see right side up. Our brain does that. And in the same way, Jesus begins to teach us in Matthew chapter five, early on in his ministry. He only has four disciples. Matthew won't be called until chapter nine. This is chapter five. This is the Beatitudes where he says, listen, you've heard that it was said, but I tell you, this is right. blessed are those who mourn they'll be comforted. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the, the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the, those who hunger and thirst. Some of the most unpleasant sensations in all humanity. Hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He's turning the world right side up for us so we begin to see things from his perspective. Now back to the scripture this morning. You guys still here? I'm teaching today. Can you guys tell the difference between preaching and teaching? Teaching is I have to crack more jokes. Preaching, I can just tell stories. So Jesus says this, I am the way. No one, everybody say no one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Jesus is being clear that he's not a way. Jesus is being clear that he's not a truth. He's being extraordinarily clear that he's not the life or or a life. He's the life. Whenever you see biblical language repeat itself and reemphasize from the reverse, it, it literally is like there's not all caps with exclamation points, but that's what's happening. I'm the way. And, then, and it doesn't stop. I'm the truth, which is another way of saying I'm the way that is true. And he says, I'm the life. And then he comes back. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus has just shouted, as it were, this information. This is not something we, we glance over. This is not one sort of thing. He is declaring something three times from three different angles and using a reverse piece of language to make sure we understand there's no exception to this. Everybody say no exception. There's no way to the Father but through Jesus. And then you say, well, I I think all roads lead to God. In some ways, that is true. All roads do lead to God, but not all roads lead to heaven. And what Jesus is talking about is not standing before God in judgment. He's talking about standing before God as the way. I've come through Jesus to you, Father. I've come through Jesus as the truth, through Jesus as the life, and I stand before you now forgiven, born again, adopted, filled with the Holy Spirit, ready for eternity. Versus, uh uh-oh. I've made the worst mistake, and it was my entire life. Now, believe it or not, the active word we're going to get out of the sentence is the word through. And this is why the word dia in the Greek has, has a very specific context for us here today. It means through a place. It means through a time. And it means by means of something. So, in other words, it means this. No one comes to the Father but through me. No one comes to the Father without a place where Jesus is, a time when Jesus is, And by the means of Jesus doing what only he can do. Hear me. Salvation is a beautiful instantaneous reception of everything that God has for you that forgives all of your sins and births all of your tomorrows. This moment, this place where you meet Jesus, this time where he's real to you, you receive his grace. This, this by means of his blood, his life, his love, you respond in repentance to the gospel. Um, and, and today we're gonna go after something I've never done before, but I, I think it's important. And it's an odd time to do it, and it really doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, Sometimes you look at heaven and you listen, you look at the calendar and you say, why would we do that now? But this, this is just what I believe the Lord wants us to do today. And I'll say this, the biggest lies that we believe about heaven about God, about forgiveness, about hell, are often believed as truth when repeated often enough and repeated with authority. And, and, and understand this. What the, the average American believes is the way is not the way. And I'm concerned sometimes because worship is so good and fellowship is so sweet and the body is so generous that there are those among us that don't know the way to heaven. But they, but they feel what, what we feel, and they're loved, and it feels good. And they, but I may mean, just know this, this church can't save you. And a good worship song, as, as wonderful as worshiping the Lord is, there are people that will raise their hands in worship. And Matthew 7, 21 gives us a real, a real scary moment where many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do all? I mean, obviously your followers just said, that. the problem is not what you did with my name. The problem is you never knew me. The name of Jesus is the name of Jesus. If you have a gun, it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you're on. A gun has power. Jesus' name has power. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what your, what your favorite sports team is. There are people casting out demons in the name of Jesus that don't know Jesus in the Bible. Sceva had seven sons. They're casting out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, and demons are running away. The seven sons don't know Jesus. They just know how to use his name. So it's important today that we understand the way. Joseph Goebbels, famous or infamous Nazi propagandist, said this. He said, a lie must be repeated long enough and loud enough until it's believed and people cave in to it. So let's do this this morning. Ask the average American about going to heaven, and this is what you'll get. So we welcome. Are, are you going to heaven or hell? The average American is like 97 percent, but about 98 percent of Americans believe in some form of deity. Therefore, some form of afterlife. And so you say to them, Are you in the afterlife? Will you go to the good afterlife, the bad afterlife? Will you just go to Nirvana? Uh, you know, what, what will you do? Are you going to heaven? They'll say yes. Do you agree with that so far? Yeah, yeah, which right, you're going to heaven or hell? I'm going to heaven. Okay, good. And then you ask them this question, why do you believe that? And they begin to tell you answers that have no foundation in the way, no foundation in the truth, and bring you no foundation of life. Does this make sense? And they'll say things like, well, I believe that I'm going to heaven because, just, just do this for giggles. Are you going to heaven or hell? I'm going to heaven. Okay, average American, talk to your neighbor, the guy in the, the cubicle next to you, the kid that sits at the desk next to you, the whatever it is, right? Are you going to heaven or hell? They say, heaven. You say, why do you believe that? They'll say, because I'm a, you know this one. See, here's what the Bible says, though. and This is what Jesus says. The Bible, in Romans, for example, in chapters one, two, and three, Paul starts out this whole treatise of the gospel. It's the gospel in like macro form. John three sixteen, micro form. Romans macro form, so it's huge. He he says in Romans chapter one, there's people out there that are just really messed up, and he begins to list some of the grossest sins, so that all of his readers would start saying, "Oh, they' oh, you're right. Oh, there's bad people. All oh, people do such bad things. Those, that's a bad person to do that. My brother-in-law did that. He's a bad. He's not even invited to Thanksgiving anymore. Like he's that bad. He cheers for the wrong sports teams. He just for fun, Dan. He does all this stuff, right? And and we, we would never do that. Well, chapter one, there's bad people in the world. Chapter two, the theme of chapter two is, and you're you're one of the bad people because you're actually the act of judging them puts you in a position that only God should be in. And, And so the judgment is actually as gross a sin as the sin you're judging. Chapter three, he says, all have sinned. Everybody, no one's righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See what this thought of I'm a good person, we have to get rid of the thought that everybody's a good person. I'm not saying that every person doesn't have good in them, but I'm saying that this this act of good or bad has no bearing on guilt or innocence. What God will be judging when we stand before him will not be whether we are better than Hitler. How many guys, if you're standing in line for judgment and Hitler's in front of you, you're feeling pretty good? Because if they're grading on a curve, this is good. But what if you're standing behind Mother Teresa? You're like, hey, just why don't you take cuts? Just why don't you go ahead and... I like, to, I like to be a few sinners between me and Mom Teresa because her righteousness and mine are two completely different things. What most people don't know is this, guys. Heaven is not for good people. You go to a funeral. You ever have someone go to a funeral and say, ugh, Grandpa was just terrible. I mean, when that guy died, he split hell wide open. He was going the speed of sound when he hit hell. He, you say, what, do you, what do you say? He was a what? He was a good man. He worked hard. I lived at a funeral one time for a, a guy It was an abusive alcoholic. Five people came to his funeral. One was his widow, and she didn't want to be there. And I said, Can anybody share any memories, any thoughts of him? Can anybody just no, no? Finally went to his widow. I said, Give me something. Just throw me a bone. Give me me one positive thing about I'll make the whole funeral service out of the one time he didn't cuss when he stubbed his toe. Anything. She said, Oh, Pastor, (laughs) he loved his beer. I just, what are we supposed to do with that? Joe was a a bubbly man. He was full spirited and full bodied. He had a good head on. He had a handle on. I. What do you say? How do you bury? You know what I mean? But often, you know, like we know what God. This is going to measure. We know what we value. We don't talk about it. Nobody gets up and says at somebody's funeral, man, he was a cutthroat businessman. He, he screwed everybody to the ground that ever did a deal with him. We envy his, his financial portfolio. We always say things like he was a good man as if being good is what's necessary. Heaven isn't for good people. And matter of fact, hell is not for bad people. The Bible says nothing about heaven being for the good and hell being for the bad. What it says is that heaven is for forgiven people. And and what's neat about this moment right here, guys, is it doesn't matter if somebody here is worse than somebody else here. If you define who you are by your most shameful moment, your most shameful act, the thing you regret the most, understand this. The mercy of God is available for the most shameful thing, the most abusive thing, the most awkward thing, the most uncomfortable thing you've ever done to somebody, the thing you feel most bad for, the thing you've hidden your whole life that nobody else knows about. God knows about it. And I want you to understand this. Heaven is not for good people who fake being good or are literally good compared to others. Heaven is for people who turned to God and said, I need something more than me to save me. I need Jesus. So here's the question um, that we're going to get to. But let's just, I'll just prove it to you that your works mean nothing. I'm driving down the road the other day. It's a true story. And, and I'm looking at my phone because I want to look at this house that's for sale. It's cheap. It's in Fenton. I thought, oh, it's got to be a wreck. Let's go enjoy the wreckage. Let's just go look at it. And I'm looking at my phone and, I, and, I'm, and I, you know, I'm kind of glancing up and I can't see things out of my right eye. My left eye is blurry and it's dark. And Dina has great faith because she knows I drive by faith and not by sight. And she's in the passenger seat. And I'm, I'm looking at my phone and I'm driving and I hear her say these words, hey. And she goes, Nice stop. I said, what? She goes, the stop sign you just ran through. I went, oh, there's a stop sign back there, in there? I thought, I shouldn't be behind. I should be on the other side. We should, you know? But let, let, and, and nobody stopped me, so I totally got away with it. But let's, let's say Fenton Petey was right behind me, pulls me over, get out of the car, you know, backwards, walk the line. Okay, you're just blind, but you're not drunk. But we're, they're going to give me a ticket, right? What is the ticket for? Anybody know? Pastor Kim, where are you? I just ran through a stop sign. What is the ticket for? Failed to stop at a stop sign, right? So here's my question. I get that ticket, right? And I, I, have I done a crime? Do I have, do I have a, a debt that I have to pay now because of that crime? So here's the question, ready? How many stop signs from this day forward do I need to stop at to pay the penalty for the one that I didn't stop at? So does this make sense to you? I busted through. I I broke the law. I'm a lawbreaker. I I, I got caught. I've been apprehended. I've been charged with my own guilt. I accept that ticket. It wasn't, I'm not screaming. It wasn't, I totally blew that stop sign. It's my bad. I didn't, we're going to reverse. I'm sorry, officer. So I'm going to say, but officer, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop at the next 10 stop signs because by doing something good, I'll negate the one thing I did bad. What would that officer say to me? He'll say that breaking the law has nothing to do with being a good driver from here forward. That how many stop signs you stopped at before you broke through that stop sign, and how many stop signs you stop at after that stop sign has no bearing on the law you've broken that now is a consequence to your misdeed. And in the same way, hear me, it doesn't matter how good you've been. It doesn't matter how good you intend to be. It matters that we are all sinners that need a Savior, and that Jesus is good enough for all of us. Do you see that? But I'll, I'll be good, I'll be better. It's, it's really more of a... Um, I thought of like, karma. Like, I'll, I'll do good, and by doing good, I'll negate my bad. How I many of us know Jesus is not a Buddhist? I mean, you should tweet that, because that's really important. People say stuff like this. Well, uh, if, if they didn't say, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person, what would be another one. I'm going to heaven because what? Because I what? I believe in God. You heard that one? Because I believe in God. Here we go. So, um, and I want to say this the right way, and I'm trying to be so sensitive today, but I'm really frustrated because I, I find a generation of lies being unconfronted. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, and I want us to go after these things, but please don't allow lies to be unchallenged when you are a bearer of truth. And if you're here today believing lies, please don't let this opportunity go by without response. Most people in the Bible that say they believe in God don't. And, and, and I want to prove it to you. The Pharisees, did they believe in God? Yeah. But did they know him? No. So their teaching was skewed by the lies they believed about God. The, the, the Sadducees, did they believe in God? Yes. But, but did they know him? No. No. The Greeks, the Romans, they didn't only had, like, one true God. They had, like, a God for every day of the week. The Greeks and Romans changed their, their gods more than they changed their underwear. Like, I mean, they wore tunics, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like well, it was just Zeus, so or we'll get Apollo, or we'll get Hermes, or we'll get Diana, or we'll get whatever. Because whatever city you went to, you went to whatever that city's God was. You made some sacrifice, some incense, some offering, and did business in the marketplace. Hear me, guys. It, people that believe in God, I, I get it, but that's not what saves you. The demons believe in God. James says this, you believe there's one God? Well, that's good. The demons believe that. (laughs) And they shudder, believing in God. I mean, Paul actually says it this way in Romans 1. He says it's inexcusable not to know him, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, stuff like his eternal power, his divine nature, they have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people Are without excuse. There's no excuse for not believing in God. But that's not the way of Jesus. Are you still here? You guys doing okay today? I don't know if we have a sermon on prosperity, we'll come to it. But but hear me. Believing in God is different than believing God. Let me say that again. People say, I believe in God. So I'm going to heaven. Believing in God is, is wonderful. The demons have that the, Saris, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the, the, the Greeks, the Romans, the Americans. But believing in God is different than believing God. In order to be saved, you have to actually believe in God and believe God. When Jesus says, I'm the way, we have to believe that. I'm the truth, we have to believe that. I'm the life, we have to believe that. Being a good person, believing in a higher existence is not the way to salvation. We've got to do more. The third that I get, and this is quite often, I was baptized as a baby. That's wonderful. It speaks of your parents' faith. But let me ask you this: Can I believe? Let's do. You mind, Dan, in the front row? Can can I believe for Dan's salvation? And my faith save him? Dan has to make a decision about his life before God. No matter what, I, if that were if that weren't true, man, I'd make a decision about the whole world. How about you? I just believe that God wants to save the whole world, and I pray for the whole world to be saved. Therefore, the whole world is saved. Is that true or is that not true? It's not, because people have to make a responsible decision themselves. And so being baptized as a baby, it speaks of your parents' faith. It, it speaks of the teachings of, of the Catholic or mainline Protestant church. But even, even when they do that, they're, they're trusting that that salvation is, a, is a, a stopgap measure until some point when you have your first communion until you've been through catechism, until you know the difference between right or wrong, until you can engage your free will to believe Jesus. So so I was baptized as a baby, but now you're 50. Understand this. The water dried a long time ago, and your parents' faith could have never saved you. It is your faith. It's by grace through faith that you are saved. That can't be the way of Jesus. I was baptized as a baby. If it was, then let's get every eight-day-old kid and just dunk them or drizzle them or sprinkle them or say a few things and Latin over them because if that's the way to salvation, how many guys know, like, we, everybody should be baptized then as a baby? But Scripture doesn't baptize babies. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to tear apart the teachings of your church. I'm, I'm not. And if you're visiting today, this is not an anti-anything message, but nowhere in Scripture... Except for when an adult recognizes their need for God, accepts the mercy, believes in God, and then believes God, are they baptized? Because it's just taking a bath before that. It makes grandma feel better, but it doesn't change eternity. The last one, I get this a lot, is I go to church. Why do you believe you're going to heaven? Well, I I go to church. It's like, I go to McDonald's. It doesn't make me an Egg McMuffin. It makes me look like an Egg McMuffin. But it doesn't make me one. That's not the way of Jesus. Are you getting this? It's funny if we were sitting in a circle right now and talking to each other. I would say, what, what are some of the other ones you've heard? You say, well, my uncle or my aunt well, my, I, you know, my, my uh, cousin is a priest and he prays for me. Like, all we need is one good one amongst the entire family to cover all of us, right? Or, you know, I give money to the church. It's like, oh, I, I do that. like." Every time you say, I do this or they do that, it can't be the right answer. If salvation is a gift, then me doing something to earn it cannot be the right answer. Or them doing something for me cannot be the right answer. I must, with my own free will, accept something. What is the way of Jesus? What is the way? Well, a piano girl, join me if you would. You guys doing okay? Pretty quiet today. I know. It's the tryptophan coma, isn't it? The post-Turkey knockout session. Newman, set up straight. I'm looking at you. All right, there you go. <laughs> I didn't see which finger he held up. I assume it was the right one, though. Okay, good, good. That was I love you? Is that what it was? Didn't look like that from here. All right, good. What is the way of Jesus? I, I think we have to start with his love. How about you? Because none of the rest of it makes sense. And, and maybe if you're a parent, maybe if you're a grandparent, um, you've begun to, to scratch the surface of what love really is. I knew everything about love. I really did. I preached sermons on love and romantic love and the five different Greek words translated love. I became a husband. I learned a lot more about love than I ever knew. And then we had children, Josh and JD. I tell you what, I, I'm, Ian was talking this morning about he became the young adult pastor. He and Megan, you know, started serving behind Pastor Carl. And that's when they had uh, their, their first little guy, Levi. He said, I think God gave us Levi because I needed more sermon material. And, and what that means is this, like, I don't really know what love is until I'm willing to die for somebody. And, and I, this thought that what motivates God is not his religion. It's not his ethic. It's not simply some sort of superior character. It's not his ability to tune out fear, tune out pain as Jesus was crucified. I honestly think this is the, the and if you have kids, you know this, If your child or grandchild, someone vulnerable that can't save themselves, is inside of a burning building and someone says, you can't go in there, you'll die. How many guys go in there anyway? Because it's funny how love doesn't give you a lot of options. Why did Jesus come and give his life for mankind? Why did he pay for the gift now that we can receive? We have to start with love because without love, it doesn't make any sense. Well, because he wanted people to work for him in heaven. That's the only way to get them there. Hell was going to be a lot to maintain. He wants few people there. No. If you're a parent or a grandparent, or maybe you just have a puppy, for all I know, right? But anybody you'd be willing to lay down your life for, that's that's the beginning of scratching the surface of love. So why did Jesus come? I think I think it was unthinkable not to. When it was in his power to die for those who could then live. I think I think even those who would not choose him, he died for as well. Do you see that? one died for all for God so loved the understand his death didn't save everybody save some but it's almost like if I can't save them at least I can die with them so that nobody has to die alone God demonstrates this love by sending Jesus to take upon himself the penalty of our sins Paul paints the picture this way he says you see at just the right time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though maybe for somebody that's like so good that the world needs them or they're a mother or they you know they're the president or they might lay down their life, they might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his love for us in this livestream look right at me while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. while we said nothing to offer him on the wrong side of every equation, confused or Filled with shame, regret, lust, greed, anger, violence, all the things that are penalized by prisons, you know? Let I me mean, guys know the difference between most people in prison and us is they got caught and we didn't. True? While we're still alive, some of us, we have no idea. I plan to die long before now. Never thought I'd get old. Never thought I'd wake up on a cold morning and my back hurts. Like, who just said that? Who's the old man that said that? You're supposed to be dead before now. But Jesus defeats death, hell, and the grave, and he's resurrected on the third morning from the dead that's what God has done for us that's what he did so what do we do and this is the word that maybe makes sense maybe it doesn't but we repent what does that mean what does it mean to repent some people say repentance must be like a, a deep agonizing sorrow a gut-wrenching uh, cry oh, I'm such a sinner and I'm not saying it doesn't include that but don't don't think that that's the only way to repent I, I repent hopefully on a daily basis and that's not. Oops, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Oops, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Oops, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. That's that's forgiveness. That's not repentance. Does that make sense? So what is repentance? Repentance is. I used to think that the best way to go to Linden was down Silver Lake Road, but then I learned there's a back way around Mueller's Orchard that avoids all of the downtown traffic. So I don't go to the right on Linden Road. I go to the left on Linden Road, and I take. Is it Bennett Lake Road? Is that the one Dan goes to your house? Lobdell. I take Lobdell. Why? Because it's just a better way to go. When I repented of my navigational issue, I didn't know there was a better way, but when I discovered there was a better way, I decided to take it. And now when I go out to Dan and Kelly's house, I never go down Silver Lake Road unless I want an ice cream cone. Unless I don't mind going 25 miles an hour for 14 miles through Linden. If I'm looking for a terrible way to go, or I want extra calories. I go that way. But, but I know a better way. And so when I counter the fork in the road, that now is a three-way stop sign, hallelujah, I turn left. I don't go right. Why? Because there's a better way than going the other way. Does that make sense? Repentance is there's a better way, and I choose it. It's when you change your mind about him, and I just want to say this right. When you change your mind about him, who he is and the role he plays in your life and and what he's done and who you really are, who he really is and what your life is really about. There's this beautiful moment. there's There's this place. There's this time and there's this means for something to change in you. Can I suggest to you that this might be the place where Jesus is? Can I suggest to you that this might be the time when Jesus is, I suggest to you there's no other way. He's the means by which we go to the Father. Through him, there's no other way, but through him. If you're a good person and you decide to trust in your goodness, remember there'll always be somebody better. And if I can make myself righteous, by definition, I am self-righteous. I think self-righteousness is one of the worst things that hurts the church. It doesn't build the kingdom. That this thought that there's a place where Jesus is, a time when Jesus is, and there's this means by which I am saved. My prayer for you this whole week has been that a moment just like this one will be the moment you can look back on. I'm not trying to strip your religion. I'm not trying to get you not to be spiritual. I'm not. I, I hear all this stuff, and I'm not. I'm not laughing at you. Remember, I used to be an atheist before I became a believer. So, I, the, the believing in nothing is is just. Never mind, somebody here might be an atheist, and I'm going to say something. In my life, believing in nothing was just the dumbest thing I ever did. Because by saying there is no God, I just tried to become one. I had to take care of myself, provide for myself, defend myself. You know, everything I had to do was for me. Then I went from there kind of exploring being spiritual. So I'll just do good deeds, and I'll have good karma, and luck will come my way, and I'll, I'll have, be disciplined, and I'll... But Again, if I can save myself, then why is Jesus hanging bloody on a cross? Someone remind me. It's not just a moment where another religion takes another step in another direction. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no way. There is no way to the place where the Father is. These many mansions, this this place that I'm preparing for you that if I come back, if I go there, I'll prepare it, I'll come back and I'll get you. Jesus' promise in, in, in the 14th chapter is so profound. And he's saying there's only one way and it's me. So if you're a good person, I I bet you are. I'll bet there are people that don't know Jesus that are far more moral than I am. If it's spirituality, I'll bet there are people that are far more spiritual, whatever that means, than I am. My salvation and all mankind's salvation is not predicated on what I do or what someone else on this earth did in my stead. The only way to heaven is for me at a time At a place, through a person, say, I give you everything that I am. And literally, hear me. It's not something I raised my hand, said the spell, fled from hell. I don't want to undersell this. Having a covenant with Jesus is like having a covenant with your spouse. It's not some light thing. I'm not saying date around till you find the right one either. I'm just simply saying this. When you make a decision, it's a covenant. For better or worse. For richer or poorer. And all the things that are in front of me, God, the one thing that I will take with me through every trial of my life is you. I will never let go of you. I will never forsake you. And Jesus says to you, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Close your eyes for just a moment. Let's land the plane. Father, I pray that in the closing moments of the service, new names will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Only you know when that moment is, God. You see something. We we can see things, but I've seen so many things that they just didn't turn out to be what I thought I was seeing. Been other times I thought I didn't see it, and it was there. So you, right now, Holy Spirit, searching all hearts, all minds, all men, all women, online, on the radio, in the room, Father, everywhere for all time, Father, I pray, make this the time. Make this the place. By means of what you have done for us, may all men be saved. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you've been putting your faith in being a good person, You've been putting your faith in the the fact that you believe there's a God. You've been putting your faith in your your parents baptizing you or going to church. I I hope today I've shown you in Scripture, I hope today we explained why, how many stop signs you have to stop at before the ticket goes away. It doesn't go away. There's a debt that has to be paid. Jesus is the only one who can pay it. If you're here today you're like, I put my faith in the wrong place. Today, I want to put my faith in the one, the only, True, the way, the life. I, I, it's just Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. If you're here today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. It's a, it's a public profession, if you will. It's taking what's happening on the inside of you, it's projecting it to the outside. Today, with an upraised hand, you'll say, "Today, my only way is Jesus." Today, I give my life. It's not about being good. I'm, I'm done. I'm done trying to earn it. I'm done saying my mama did it for me. My, my cousin's a priest. I, I am done. Today, I make my choice, and I take my vow. It is Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand all over this room right now. Yeah, I see that hand, that hand. Wow, that hand, that hand. All over this room. Thank you, God. Father, we reject every lesser thought, every lesser God, every, everything that cons us into believing something that isn't true. Peel back the lies now, God. Put your hands back down. And I don't do this very often, and I'm trying to be respectful of time, but I just, how many of you guys know, I just work here. This isn't my church, and this isn't my time. If you're here today, and you were supposed to raise your hand, but you didn't because you kind of, whatever, I just feel like the Holy Spirit said, just give them another nudge. Just not a shove, not a threaten, not a manipulate. You know you're supposed to raise your hand. You know the, what are you waiting for? And it's like this moment has come right here, right now, it's Jesus. Don't let this moment pass. You have not raised your hand yet, but you're supposed to have. I want to give you one last chance. Raise your hand right now, all of this room. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Great. Great. Wonderful moment. Wonderful moment. Yeah. Would you just pray this with me today? Again, repeating the words that I say, I'm just trying to give you something to say to God that that I believe encapsulates. What the Holy Spirit's doing in your life right now. If my words are in the way, then you talk to God without my help. Does that make sense? I, I, you won't hurt my feelings. But for everybody else today, whether you're encouraging the people around you so they don't feel like they're praying in solitude or alone or standing out, or, or you're praying this because you need to pray this, would you pray this with me right now? All of this room, say this with me Jesus, you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And right now, I come to the Father through you, this place, this time, through you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me walk in your way all the way home. And I'll see you soon. Amen. And would you stand at your feet all over this room today? God bless you. Oh, how many of you guys know my New Year's resolution is to actually preach only 30 minutes? Don't be too encouraged. It's been my last three years New Year's resolution, and, but I'm working on it. Um, I would guess somewhere around 10 people this morning put their faith in Jesus as Savior. And with that in mind... I want to say what's next we don't walk this thing alone we're a family you don't know anybody just hang out in the guest room for a while groups are starting again holidays like iron sharpens iron we need people around us so I, this is again is not an appeal to get you to join a group but we're made we're created do life in community for every person that makes a new commitment there's someone that made it one a year ago that has something to say to you and for every person a year ago and, and today, there's someone that like 10, 20, 30 years ago that has something to say to you. We, we are here together as a body for a reason. Parts of us have wisdom. Parts of us have need. Parts of us have lack. Parts of us have abundance. But when it all comes together, it all, it all functions in unity. So don't, don't get in shape before you go to the gym. Don't, don't figure out Jesus before you join a group because you might feel like you don't know everything. I promise you, everybody leading the group doesn't know everything. The one thing that we need to all know is that we know Jesus. And from there, let's just kind of find our way through. He's the way. He's going to lead us home. Amen? Amen. Live long. Prosper. God bless you. Merry whatever it is and happy whatever and whenever. And uh, we'll see you again soon. You are dismissed. Go enjoy.